If we look back at 1935, and if we were having this conversation then, we might find it fairly ludicrous if someone suggested that we elect a governmental body in power that would decide to put us in cages for having a relationship with this plant. to move into a world where we see all of the benefits around our lives, around our communities, around our animals, around our plants, and around our planet that this plant is going to be able to provide. I am very excited and very optimistic to be a part of that future because it is coming and it is coming quicker than most of us are likely prepared for. Welcome to the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. In this episode, I interview Sumit Mehta. He's a man that wears many hats. He's formerly of the financial industry, but is now working in the cannabis industry and is just about to launch a blockchain startup. In this episode, we discuss cannabis prohibition, its medical benefits, and we dive into the numbers and his investment thesis and strategies. This is an amazing episode. If you wanna learn more about cannabis, please stay tuned. Hey, Hacker. Sorry to interrupt this great podcast. It's David Smook, founder and CEO of Hacker Noon, and we're raising money for the first time, and we're doing it from the people. If you want to buy shares in Hacker Noon, visit HackerNoonShares.com. Help us make the best place for tech professionals to publish. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Sumit. Hey, Sumit, tell us a bit about who you are and what you're working on. Hey, Trent. I'm uh, working on a blockchain platform for investment in the cannabis industry at the moment. And uh, who I am, well, I've <laughs> come from a long finance background. I spent 20 years on Wall Street uh, at various firms. I joined Merrill Lynch in 1996 and left JP Morgan in 2016. Uh, and I came across the, the cannabis industry back in 2013, ended up participating in it from an investment perspective and then joined it full-time in 2016 after leaving, after leaving JP. Uh, and I've uh, since morphed into a technology play, a technology platform that allows folks to get educated about cannabis and about hemp, get advised on the best place to park their capital, and then ultimately to get invested in one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And so talk a little bit about that pivot. How do you end up you know, in the financial industry and then, you know, pivoting and jumping into the cannabis industry. Like that seems like a kind of a little bit of an extreme jump there. Can you uh, explain, you know, what, what kind of made you go from, you know, kind of a, a rigid, you know, kind of financial system that we have to, you know, guys in suits and showing up to meetings at, you know, nine in the morning and that kind of thing to the cannabis industry? Well, it involves a lot of craft beer. <laughs> first, uh, my first departure from finance was to go into the craft beer industry, and I ended up opening a brewery in Chicago with uh, the backing of several investors. Uh, a year later, one of my investors came to me and said he had started looking at the cannabis space and that one of his family members was starting a cannabis company. Uh, I told him he was crazy and uh, <laughs> that, I, that he, should, <laughs> he should go talk to a therapist. Uh, came back to me a year later with an investment opportunity in uh, in Colorado. I took a look at that, and this was around 2013, 
And in 2014, I made my first investments in Colorado and in Oregon. And by 2016, I realized uh, a couple of things, notably that I'd only been making cannabis investments for a couple of years. <laughs> and also that uh, the, the industry was not just an industry, it was a movement. And it had tremendous implications on a lot of things that I cared about. And with that realization and with both those realizations, it became obvious that I needed to leave, uh, like you rightly described, the world of suits and morning meetings and yeah. make my way to much greener pastures. And you're now living in San Francisco as well. Did you, were you originally in New York or where were you living before? I, I moved here from Chicago where I spent the last 13 years. Prior to that, I lived in, uh, I lived briefly in New York, uh, but I spent a lot of my time in, uh, in Florida, Texas, Michigan, and Singapore prior. Okay, interesting. Um, so let's talk a little bit about cannabis itself. So you actually, you're a user yourself. Um, can you talk about, you know, what the plant means to you and how you look at it? Obviously, there's, there's some stigma you know, still around this, even though it's just now becoming legal in a lot of major states. Um, what, is the, what does the plant mean to you? It's a very open-ended question. And uh, if I were to condense what the plant could even begin to, to do for us uh, a lot, it would still take a lot of time to describe what the true power of this plant is. Uh, but I'll tell you some of the things that are most important to me about this plant and what I believe uh, can truly unlock human potential in a very different way than we, we currently have addressed. The plant is a healer. It's an ancient spiritual healer. It has been around for 10,000 years, and it has been used in countries and cultures around the world for the duration of human history. Uh, if we look back at 1935, and if we were having this conversation then, we might find it fairly ludicrous if someone suggested that we elect a governmental body in power that would decide to put us in cages for having a relationship with this plant. So the plant means to me a lot of things, and it means a lot of things to humanity as it is coming out of this dark period of prohibition and getting its, getting its rightful place back alongside humans and alongside, uh, alongside animals as well. So from a, from a, uh, historical perspective, I believe that we will look back at this 82-year-odd period of prohibition as an absolute suspension of rational thought and return to this long-standing relationship we've had with the plant. From a business perspective, the plant has tremendous potential as it is a disruptor to many established industries. If one looks at the medicinal value alone, one can get to some pretty staggering numbers in terms of the economic value of this plant. Uh, certainly, if one looks at the uses of hemp, one can come to the same conclusion as it is a disruptor to the, at large, our industrial complex. When we look at the medicinal port side of things, we look at the number of diseases this plant can address, and that number is greater than 740. We can begin to understand how healing this plant is for our people. When we look at what hemp can do as it grows and remediates soil and absorbs 10 tons of CO2 for every acre that's planted, we can understand what this plant can do for other plants. And when we tie both of those things together, we can also understand what this plant can do for the overall health of our planet. And so when I think about this plant, I think about the health of our planet 
our plants and our people, and certainly as a byproduct of all of that, the health of our profits as well. And on the medicinal front, uh, you know, I think it's important to kind of educate the audience, especially those who don't know, uh, that there are, you know, there's different cannabinoids and there's different components of the plant as well. So, you know, you definitely have full spectrum where you've got the entire plant. Uh, and, you know, when someone's smoking or, you know, consuming that way, they're consuming the whole thing. But you can actually isolate some of the other cannabinoids and use them for specific purposes. CBD, for example, you know, is pretty much all the rage right now um, and doesn't, you know, doesn't get you high. Um, there's no, it, it's a, it's a much more subtle uh, cannabinoid. And it has a totally different effect than THC. In fact, I'm actually on it myself right now, personally. Uh, I use CBD for pain management and it works extremely effectively uh, and well, and it helps me kind of stay calm and focused and grounded. So it's like the total opposite of THC, which, you know, kind of brings you up and kind of raises your vibration and, you know, has its own set of effects. Um, can you talk about the different terpenes and the different cannabinoids and kind of your thoughts on them? Sure. There are 512 bioactive compounds in this plant. And as you rightly described, many of them are terpenes and many of them are cannabinoids. There are approximately 120 known cannabinoids and close to 200 terpenes with a balance of the compounds being flavonoids and other, other, other uh, plant material. When uh, we think about what has a psychoactive effect, we think about THC. That is one of the 120 cannabinoids found in this plant. The other 511 out of the 512 bioactive compounds do not have a psychoactive effect. And there are strains of cannabis that can be grown that have very minimal or 0% THC. So they can be used for medicinal or industrial purposes and have no psychoactive value. When I think about cannabis, and the way it was portrayed in our history, I think about how there was a stoner stereotype created and how one looked at this plant as a pure method of intoxic or pure source of intoxication. As the larger public has embraced this plant and begun to understood, understand its tremendous medicinal values, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a, a large move away from intoxication and towards wellness. Mm -hmm. And when one can use this plant for wellness, as I mentioned uh, just in my last answer, the healing properties of this plant, when one can establish a healthy relationship with this plant, it does work wonders on a number of fronts. Hey, hackers, do you have a timely tech story you want to get published? Maybe you recognize the way certain systems trend affecting our everyday lives or have a vision of the future for the blockchain technology. Maybe you're on the field of play and know what it takes to make a great team or how to remain agile in today's competitive, tech-rich environment. Share your expertise with the community at large on Hacker Noon. Email us, stories at hackernoon.com, and a real human will review your submission. I mean, even for me personally, it's, it's about figuring out those ratios of the different cannabinoids. And there's, there's even products now that allow you to choose. Um, so you can choose, you know, a 21 to rate, 20 to one ratio, for example, of CBD to THC. Uh, there's one-to-one -one, uh, offerings and solutions, you know, from vaporizers, edibles, uh, like literal pain patches, 
uh, I've used the pain patches myself. I've spent too much time in front of a computer. So, uh, you know, I've got neck uh, chronic pain there. So, you know, I've used the topical uh, CBD creams myself. I've used the, uh, I've used like hybrid creams that are, you know, there's some THC, but it's also evened out with CBD. Um, and when you do use like a one-to-one product, for example, I personally found that, you know, you get a, you get a different experience because the CBD almost balances out uh, some of the attributes of the THC. So when you start to tweak and play around with the different cannabinoid ratios, uh, you get a totally different outcome that's much more medicinally focused. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And there are lots of products out there that are meant for medicinal use that are not meant for intoxication. And those include what you mentioned, topicals and, and ingestibles but also include sprays and inhalers and patches and sublinguals. And if you can think of a way people consume a substance, they can also consume cannabis in the same way. So as an investor, what, you know, what areas of the cannabis industry are you really focused on? Are you investing in companies that touch the plant? Are you investing in, you know, the picks and shovels uh, style investments, you know, the, the software they might be using, the, you know, the different products and, you know, other stuff that, you know, is kind of on the, you know, not necessarily touching the plant side of things, um, or are you investing in both sides? What, what's kind of your investment thesis there? Well, when I look at cannabis investments and I look at the landscape as a whole, I think about the investment decision being made initially on a portfolio level and then bringing in individual companies to fill in, in, that, to fill in that portfolio. So when I think about a, can- a cannabis portfolio, what I find important is diversification, making sure that I'm allocated across a wide variety of verticals within the space. I think about hedging, making sure that I am hedged against what I believe will be a continual price decline in the spot price of cannabis. And I think about diversity, not just across sectors, but also across geographies. And I think about how I want to allocate across all of the parts of this industry that are represented by the various countries that have begun legalization. Uh, we can happy to dig into any one of those things, but that's yeah. Challenge. I've got a couple questions from that one. So one thing that really just stood out to me what you said and is you know the price of cannabis is going to drop um, and inevitably it's going to become lower because you know we're coming out of prohibition. So. We're coming from one phase of the industry where, you know, it was basically a, a black market. You know, it kind of like went into a gray market kind of in, with medicinal legalization, especially here in California. And then now that we've got more full legalization, um, you know, it's kind of shifted. It's shifting again because we're, you know, there's more of a regulation system in place. Um, so with that said, you know, that's going to increase the legal supply. And as the legal supply increases, you know, then inevitably it's potentially going to drop the price, um, which in my opinion is a good thing because then that means that, you know, a lot of these products can be brought to market for, uh, you know, a lower price point because right now they're having to bake in the margins of the current market. But can you talk a little bit about what you're foreseeing and what you kind of think is going to happen? When I look at the price of cannabis, I look at uh, the price for flour. I look at the price for concentrates and I look at the price for oil. When one thinks about what the average price per pound of cannabis flour 
retailed for in the U.S. last year, that number was $5,100. That is 1,350 times the price of spinach, which retailed at $3.83. Yeah. When I think about the price of a concentrate, an ounce of concentrate, the average retail price last year in the U.S. was $1,400. I could have bought an ounce of gold last night and had a couple hundred bucks in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> when I think about the price of oil, I think about a, a, a barrel of oil. And I compare that to the price of the, a barrel of crude oil. A barrel of crude right now is in the $50, $50 to $60 range and has been for a while. We freaked out when several years ago it got over $100. Mm -hmm. If one thinks about the retail price of a barrel of cannabis oil in the U.S. last year, one gets to a number that's over $5 million. So when I compare the price of flour, the price of concentrates, and the price of oil with every other commodity that, that we use, there's a clear, there's a large amount of room for it to fall. Mm -hmm. We have seen price declines on a fairly steady basis in states that have legalized as the supply catches up to demand and as all of the, all of the, uh, the folks that weren't growing because it was illegal come in and begin to supply high quality flour. So this is a boon to farmers when farmers move from a, a, a commoditized product towards hemp or cannabis. This is a large income increase for them. And we're seeing this across the world in India, in China, in Colombia, in Ecuador, and certainly in the US. And this is enticing a lot of, uh, a lot of farmers to switch from what they were growing to hemp and to cannabis to boost their incomes. When this is happening on a collective basis, we're increasing the supply enough to where we will continue to drive prices down, not just because of the increased number of folks that are growing cannabis legally, but also because of the increase in efficiency that we have been able to achieve with all of the ancillary ecosystems that help drive both the production and the yield uh, of flour to levels we have not seen in the past. And this makes it more available for new products that can also be brought to the consumer market as well. So now, you know, you can start to include hemp, you know, extracts, you can start to include you know, different cannabinoid profiles and terpenes and that kind of thing in more consumer products and actually have more control as well. So, you know, I, I see it as a good thing ultimately if, you know, if there's a, you know, basically a price correction uh, for cannabis as we move more towards legalization and regulation. Um, well, prices will continue to fall until we hit the average level of agricultural margins that we see in every other commodity. Yeah. One of the things that could limit the price drop is limitation of trade. And the U.S. has that on a state-by-state -state basis, but trade is open in other parts of the world. And as cannabis begins to grow where it is best grown, and as it becomes a globally traded agricultural commodity, we'll see its margins decline to that of every other globally traded agricultural commodity. Yeah. And for people listening who don't know, you can't actually move cannabis between states right now. That still is federally illegal. So if you're growing in California, you can't sell to someone in Nevada and vice versa. Um, so that might change in the future. And when it does, it's going to radically change the entire industry. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, cannabis is federally illegal. Yes. So that has to change first. 
And when I, when I look back at prohibition ending for alcohol, I think about how states still have restrictions on alcohol in terms of uh, production as well as trade. And there are uh, alcohol laws that are based on county and on state levels. And that's why you're seeing a different ABV level until recently. Uh, you saw that in, um, uh, in certain states, you're seeing a restriction on trade like we saw in Pennsylvania. And we're seeing dry counties, including Bourbon County, where most of the world's bourbon is made. Uh, it's illegal to sell alcohol in that county. Mm -hmm. Cannabis laws are based somewhat in a similar structure. So it may be quite some time before we see free trade of cannabis open up between states in the U.S. And then you mentioned, you know, other countries. What are you seeing internationally? We're seeing cannabis laws changing around the world. This is not just a U.S. phenomenon. This is a global phenomenon. There are 30 countries that have some sort of cannabis legalization that has already passed and a couple dozen more that are looking at cannabis legalization for various reasons. Some of the countries that have legalized cannabis might surprise you. Uh, most recently, we saw South Korea legalize cannabis. Malaysia, a Muslim country, is talking about legalizing cannabis for medicinal use. Thailand is talking about the same. China has begun issuing licenses, as has Ecuador. Colombia has a large and, and increasing cannabis industry, uh, spurred quite uh, dramatically by Canadian investment. Uh, we're also seeing uh, we're also seeing moves in um, in other parts of Europe. Germany has uh, has legalized cannabis, and we're seeing large moves in Spain by its industry. So when one thinks about the cannabis legalization movement, uh, it is truly a global movement. Heyo, you got a great tech story you want to get published? Maybe something about bots taking over Twitter or how Bitcoin actually works? Or maybe you just have a story about how to build a great software, a great team. Get your expertise published on Hacker Noon. Email us, stories at hackernoon.com, and a real human will review your submission. And now I kind of want to pivot the conversation to what you're working on as a solution using blockchain. Because uh, it's kind of fascinating to me that, you know, you've got this kind of path where you went from the financial industry now to the cannabis industry, and now you're pivoting essentially into the tech industry as well. Uh, but you're kind of combining the two worlds uh, and using tech to do that. Can you talk a little bit about your blockchain solution and what you're working on now? Sure. Uh, I was a tech analyst when I first joined the financial industry. I spent uh, my I spent '96 through 2000 in the initial dot-com boom, tracking the technology industry from an from an investment perspective. Uh, I've had a long relationship with cannabis, and so the three tie in together very well for me. When I started looking at uh, at cannabis, I also was coming off of a period of time in the financial industry where technology had had a pretty remarkable disruption in the way we were doing business. So decimalization was one reason that spreads went down in trading, but the internet was the other. And when one decentralized the availability of information and made it such that everyone had access to the same information instantaneously, the power of information went away from a central nature and became decentralized. And so the investment banks that were holding on to a lot of information that could capture a lot of value because of that 
saw some pretty steep margin declines uh, all through the crisis and post-crisis where we saw the likes of Lehman, Bear, and Merrill said, say goodbye to us. Uh, so now that, uh, now that we're looking back at, at technology from a financial lens in the cannabis world, there's a couple things that we are trying, that we are working to achieve. Uh, the first thing we want to achieve is to provide education to the world. I find that in my travels, as I travel around the world, talking to folks about cannabis and visiting these countries and going to cannabis symposiums in them, I find that there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of capital behind this interest, but there may not be as much knowledge. And this is typical in an emerging market where you see relative opacity of information. But there is a lot of, there's a lot of thirst for knowledge. And so the first thing we wanna do on this blockchain platform is provide education to folks so they can make more educated decisions. The second thing we wanna do is expose folks to all of the wonderful opportunities from an investment perspective that this plant affords and have a, we're working on an AI engine that will help folks determine what their portfolio is best suited for. So as you come on the platform, based on your age, your risk factors, your, your risk tolerance, uh, your asset size, your liquidity uh, state, your net worth, et cetera, we will have an engine that'll provide a recommendation for you on a portfolio level as to the best use of the amount of money that you've decided you want to place in the cannabis industry. And is this going to be on its own unique platform or so is this is going to be like an e-trade type site where I'm going to log in, I'm going to be able to, you know, create a portfolio and, and invest funds as a retail investor. Yes. Awesome. Exactly. One will be able to log in, have a profile created, have all of your cannabis investments be in one place, have your cost basis be recorded, have your tax reporting available and essentially have a one-stop shop where you can buy into dedicated cannabis funds mm -hmm. and also make direct investments into cannabis companies. So how does this compare to like a, you know, some of the secondary markets that are already out there, you know, you've got your penny stocks and those kind of things. So is this an alternative to those markets? Um, how, how does that work? Yeah, those markets trade on exchanges. So penny stocks typically trade on OTC exchange. Uh, mm -hmm. In the cannabis industry, we have 32,000 businesses, less than 400 of them are public. And so when I look at investing in the cannabis industry, I look almost exclusively at the private space. And that is what the differentiation will be for this platform as it provides people an opportunity to participate in this industry and specifically to participate in companies and funds that have been fully diligenced by us with support of our, with the support of our, our legal partners as well as our broker so that we are bringing fully SEC and FINRA compliant investment opportunities out to the marketplace. And there's also a, there's a fundraising component to this as well, correct? We are raising some capital to finish development of this platform and launch the platform uh, in Q1 of next year. So we're wrapping up a, a small round that we've, we have begun to raise uh, so that we can both finish the platform as well as market it out when it's ready. Awesome. And you're actively building this. This is in development. Like this is, you've got developers, you've built a team around this. This is, you're, you know, you're, you're on the path. Do you have like a timeline or, you know, obviously I don't want to like put you too much on the spot, but 
you know, what it, are you hoping to bring this to market soon or what's happening? Yeah, the platform is, uh, is live. It's ready. Uh, it's, okay. in, uh, it's in beta testing. We successfully ran our first uh, transaction through it last week. So I'm very happy that after months of effort, I can sit here and tell you that we have a platform ready to go. Uh, we're wrapping up some diligence on funds that we have signed, uh, signed agreements with, and we expect to launch in, early, in the early part of next year. Nice. So I kind of want to pivot back a little bit to cannabis again. And you, know, you were talking about education. And one of the things that comes to mind is the fact that there's literally a system in the human body, the endocannabinoid system, that has been suppressed. So doctors are literally not educated on this. So if you're a doctor, you go to medical school, like it is not in the textbooks. Uh, there's an entire system in the human body that is just completely been erased from, you know, medical literature, medical textbooks. Um, and it's literally a system within our body that, you know, the cannabinoids and the THC and the, you know, CBD and all these different cannabinoids like interlock with. Uh, and it's a natural system that's actually within every human being's body. Um, do you have any thoughts on, you know, how, you know, through prohibition and everything that's happened, like how we deleted an entire, you know, an entire operating system that's a part of the human body from our medical literature? I do. And before I get into that, I want to share some education with any doctor that's watching this show. Uh, caution, side effects may include hunger and sleep. <laughs> By the way, selfies in the U.S. kill more people than cannabis, so it is fairly <laughs> described. Uh, yes, there are thoughts. Uh, so the endocannabinoid system is arguably the most important physiological system that human beings possess, possess. In fact, it exists not just in humans, but in every living creature that has a vertebra. So every mammal has an endocannabinoid system, and our species in particular have cannabinoid receptors in our brains and in our organs and tissues. So we have CB1 receptors in our brains and CB2 receptors in the rest of our bodies. All of these receptors have different functions, but they have the same end goal. And that end goal is homeostasis. Homeostasis is the maintenance of internal stability despite fluctuations in your external environment. And it's one of the keys to maintaining human health. Not having enough of a cannabinoid presence in your body leads to cannabinoid deficiencies and leads to a host of diseases, including anxiety, including stress, including pain, including all of the diseases that, are, that folks are now discovering or rediscovering can be addressed with the use of cannabinoids. Our bodies naturally, uh, our bodies naturally create cannabinoids, but not in, enough, uh, not in enough quantity, which is why it is essential to human health that we have cannabinoids primarily from the cannabis plant in our systems. Mm -hmm. Hey Hacker, sorry to interrupt this great podcast. It's David Smook, founder and CEO of Hacker Noon, and we're raising money for the first time, and we're doing it from the people. If you want to buy shares in Hacker Noon, visit hackernoonshares.com. Help us make the best place for tech professionals to publish. Well, and I've read, you know, this was a part of our food supply is, you know, the herbivores would eat hemp uh, and eat, you know, hemp that was potentially richer in CBD and some of these cannabinoids. And they would literally eat these plants. And then, you know, the predators would then eat those herbivores and would then acquire some of the nutrition from those animals. 
plus they would then consume, you know, hemp products as well. Um, Because hemp can actually be consumed by a human being. It's actually a really rich protein source and uh, it's got omega-3s and a a variety of other health benefits. Um, So you can actually eat it. Uh, It's food. So, which is, you know, something you don't even hear very much about. Um, You know, the fact that you can just eat it as a, you know, as a bowl of cereal, Um, you know, that is an option. Um, So, you know, my thought there is, you know, you've got this system that, you know, was removed from the medical literature, as we mentioned. And, you know, as you mentioned, we've got these receptors in both our brain and our body. So it just totally changes, uh, you know, it totally changes how you can interface with, you know, the brain, your intuition. Um, it changes how you can access your immune system. Uh, I have even read studies that suggest that some of these cannabinoids uh, actually have antimicrobial and act- antibacterial properties. So they can actually kill pathogens, uh, much like an antibiotic, uh, in the right dosages. And then people have actually used it in high concentrations as well for treating cancer. Absolutely. There's a tremendous body of literature that has uh, existed for thousands of years on the medicinal value of cannabis. And it is, uh, it's useful for anyone studying the plant today to go back and look at Ayurvedic medicine, to look at the 384 formulations in Ayurveda that include cannabis, and to understand how thousands of years ago, humans had begun developing a record-keeping system to document the tremendous and varied benefits of, as you rightly put it, the superfood. Mm-hmm. And so can you, can you just kind of explain like what, uh, you know, what this plant means to you on a personal level? Um, Cause you know, we've talked about, you know, everything that it can do, you know, for people for different medical conditions, you know, we've touched a little bit about, you know, hemp and we didn't get too much into the industrial side, which is crazy. I mean, the industrial side I mean, you can use this for building homes. You can use this for all kinds of uh, textiles. And I mean, you can actually turn hemp into biofuel. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different applications on the hemp side. Um, and we didn't get too deep into that. But, uh, you know, with all of that said, what, you know, what's kind of, what, is this, what does this plant mean to you on a personal level? What effect has it had on you? This plant has tremendous meaning to me on a personal level. By the way, hemp, the industrial uses of hemp are tremendous and varied. They're close to 50,000 uses, and you can make anything from bricks to buildings and boats to blenders uh, from the plant. Uh, on a personal level, cannabis goes back to the foothills of the Himalayas, the Hindu Kush mountains, and cannabis has existed in those mountains for over 10,000 years. It was first recorded in one of, the, one of the, the foundational Vedas, one of the religious texts of the Hindu religion in 2200 BC in the Atharva Veda, which is where the entire medicinal practice of Ayurveda is derived. And in the Atharva Veda, cannabis is listed as one of the five most sacred plants of India. So from a cultural perspective and a cultural and heritage relationship, uh, this plant has been part of at least my culture and most cultures in this world uh, for eternity. From a current use perspective and, and how I, to specifically answer your question, how this plant has helped me, uh, I've begun to, when I initially used the plant, it was, it was a lot of personal use and I used it primarily for 
creativity and contemplation. And when I look at what the plant is doing now, and I look at the lessons the plant brings with it, I look at how it is impacting not just creativity and contemplation, but also impacting communities and introducing different levels of compassion and compatibility and consciousness into our lives. And when I think about what all of that does in its effect and its, in its way of weaving the social fabric around us tighter, then I think about how this plant, again, is working tremendously, not just to heal each one of us, but also to heal the communities around us. And when I think about, when I look at, in fact, when you look at states that have legalized and you can see alcohol consumption rates fall and opioid consumption rates fall, I can share with you that I'm part of that first statistic. Having spent 20 years on Wall Street, there's a very pro-alcohol culture. And most of us that have spent any time on the street will tell you that it's, uh, it's very much a part of how we do business. Since I've embraced the cannabis industry, uh, there's been a large shift away from that type of business environment into an environment that again includes a lot of compassion and compatibility and community. And when we bring all of those things to light, we can introduce a new way of doing business. And that's something that I'm extremely grateful to be a part of and extremely passionate about promoting, not just for our industry, but as our industry seeps into every other one to proliferate these business practices that we've set up into the broader world and work towards making the world a better place for all of us. On that note, this is the Hacker Noon podcast. So I've got to ask you, what is some time in your life that you've had to hack something? I hack myself every day. <laughs> it's very important to continue to explore all of the neural pathways that, are, that exists in the, wonderful, in the wonderful part of our bodies we call our skulls. And I know you practice yoga and you meditate. Uh, do you consider those kind of life hacks? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything that impacts, uh, impacts how we perceive things and how we look at things, I would consider a very important hack. Awesome. Well, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, sure. I, uh, I'm very happy and very optimistic, and I want to share what, what, uh, some of what is driving this, uh, this very high level of excitement and optimism that I have. And a big part of, uh, a big part of this is driven by what I view as the fourth leg of the regulatory, the psychoactive regulatory stool finally being introduced into our world. Mm -hmm. The government has approved three psychoactive substances for us to date, and those are caffeine, nicotine, and alcohol. And those are so entrenched in our social lives that we have coffee breaks and smoke breaks and happy hours. Yeah. And when we think about what has happened in communities that cannabis has become legal in, we have seen a sharp drop in alcohol use to the tune of 15 to 27% in some states. And we have seen a sharp drop in opioid use. And I would add opioids and sugars uh, to that list of things that are really damaging mm -hmm. and really fatal in a lot of ways, not just to lives uh, which they take, but to all the people around those lives that are affected by them. And cannabis has done a wonderful job in places where people are allowed to use it. And it is a, it's not a harmful plant. It is a, and it's not just a harmless plant. It is a helpful plant. And for those folks who have a different perspective on cannabis and 
the propaganda and prohibition that the U.S. has embraced for the last 80 years is to blame. Uh, I think those folks can, can benefit tremendously from learning about the value this plant has on our, on our health, on our, uh, on our communities, on our societies, and as you mentioned earlier, even on our animals, and understand that this is something that is going to be here to stay because this period of prohibition is going to be looked at as one that did not work. Mm -hmm. And when we move forward into an environment where, yes, BMW and Mercedes have begun to use hemp to make their cars, but we will see a tremendous amount of industrial use for hemp. And when we begin to move into a world where we see all of the benefits around our lives, around our communities, around our animals, around our plants, and around our planet, that this plant is going to be able to provide, I am very excited and very optimistic to be a part of that future because it is coming and it is coming quicker than most of us are likely prepared for. And you, you're hearing it straight from a banker here, okay? This is former JP Morgan. Uh, you know, you've been in the financial industry for a long time and you know, you've obviously studied this stuff very much. Uh, and, you know, you've created this portfolio and now you're creating this amazing technology platform around it. So. You know, I thank you for coming on the show and talking about this. Uh, where can people find you? Mazakali.com is the best place for folks to learn about who we are, what we do, and get in touch with us. And what about your, your new product? Uh, the new product is Global Piper, and that'll be coming out in, again, in the early part of 2019. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks very much, Trent. Nice talking to you. This concludes another episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Lipinski. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on social media. You can also find us at hackernoon.com and podcast.hackernoon.com for more episodes. Thank you for listening.